Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I am Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Vicki Hoke, the president of the Home Care Association of America. The Home Care Association of America, also known as HCAOA, is the National Association for Home Care Agencies, or organizations that employ caregivers to serve individuals that need help with activities of daily living. In today's episode, Vicki and I dug into the current trends and challenges of the home care industry, including the caregiver shortage, which is something like we've never seen before, as well as some good news, which is some additional funding that's coming down the pipeline, including things like Medicare dollars that are filtering through health plans, grants, and additional other monies through state governments. We hope you enjoy today's episode where we talk business, but also get to know Vicki a little bit, including her piano ways and boat making ways as well. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us on our YouTube channel, pophealthpodcast.com, Stitcher, Spotify, or other podcast channels as well, like Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. I know you were just chatting with the uh, or leading a, a session with the North Carolina State Association on trends in home care. And so looking forward to getting more into that topic a little bit later. But like with every episode, we like to get to know our guest a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, something outside of uh, the workplace? Outside of the workplace. All right. I would probably say that during the pandemic, I have taken up piano lessons, so I'm learning to play the piano, something that I've wanted to do forever. I uh, I have this quirk that we have some acres of land around our house, and I love to cut grass, push mower. Oh, nice. Uh, and I am refurbishing a wooden boat that's a 19, I think, 45 Gravette wooden boat with hopes of actually putting it back in the lake in July. So this wooden boat, uh, how many people can it seat or carry? Oh, it's um, like probably eight. And it was my husband's grandmother's boat. Wow. So we're very excited. And um, we've been working on restoring it for many, many years. So this summer's it. We're going to put it back in the water where it belongs. That is awesome. So for the piano, are you, is someone teaching you? Are you self-teaching? No, you know, I think during the pandemic, I was definitely probably a target. Um, you know, we were all stuck at home and it was something that I've always, I tried it back when probably 20 years ago, taking lessons, but this one is um, purely on the, you know, internet and it's yeah. at my speed. And so um, my goal was a, two, a couple months ago to be able to play happy birthday for my granddaughter's seventh birthday. <laughs> and did you pull it off? Oh, I did, but it was funny. That wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Let's just say that. That makes it more memorable. Nice. Yeah. Oh, trust me. It was. But good for you. Well, you were telling me off the air that you're not that exciting of a person, but if you're brief, like if you're building a boat or making a boat work again, that's pretty neat to me. So um, well, I really appreciate it. It's not me. It's, my, it's a joint project with my husband and I, and um, it hasn't, it's not, I never thought it would take this long to do this. So we're really hoping we can get it back in the water. 
All right. Well, I hope it's fully functional and you can enjoy it. Doesn't sink, right? Just <laughs> just so it floats. Nice. Um, so you are on the East Coast. You are in Pennsylvania. Uh, when I chatted with you recently, uh, I mentioned my mom had lived out there as well. So uh, tell me like about your upbringing and how, you know, are you from Pennsylvania? Just, yeah. Well, my upbringing has been, you know, I have three sisters and my mother, they were all nurses and I am not a nurse. Uh, I was really, I was born out in the Pittsburgh area and then moved to central Pennsylvania. So I've been here most of my life and uh, have always, my degree is in journalism. So I tried that for a while, but quickly realized that I just wanted to do more than just reporting so I kind of transferred over to like more of the marketing, healthcare marketing. Okay. And I've been doing that a lot. And it's always been with healthcare or human services. I was a press secretary for our governor, Casey, which was many moons ago, covered Medicaid and human services issues there. And I've always been um, drawn to healthcare, human services, and messaging and advocating and that kind of thing. So this was definitely, I came here, I started in this field 20 years ago Okay. when I was uh, the CEO for the Pennsylvania Home Care Association and really came without any knowledge of home care, only that my home has always been really important to me. I think growing up, it was a place where great times with family and friends. And it was just really important to me. And so to be able to combine that with my love of healthcare and my love of this kind of healthcare, you know, bringing care to people, uh, it's just been a wonderful, it's been a wonderful journey. And when I left the Pennsylvania Home Care Association, I was, I was retiring. I was going to try something totally different. This opportunity came up and I thought, you know, in Pennsylvania, I represented home health, hospice, and home care. And this, of course, the Home Care Association of America is primarily representing those agencies that bring personal care. The, some people call it private duty. Um, some people call it non-medical. And it was this sector that always has drawn me to it, I think, because it's the newest, so to speak. It's a sector that has an unbelievable future as far as I'm concerned. Lots to do in it. Um, and I think this particular sector is the sector that truly does make it happen for seniors in terms of you can stay at home with our help because right. we're there all the time for as many hours as you need us. Uh, we can do a lot of different things for you. And so that's, that's why I took the job. And I'm just so excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome, Vicki. Vicki, you mentioned that the Home Care Association of America um, is more so for private duty, non-medical, personal care. Can you give a, just an overview of what HCAO, HCAOA or Home Care Association of America is? Uh, it's a national trade association primarily representing home care agencies that do personal care in people's homes. We are now closing in on 4,000 members, but I'm very excited about that. We've had a tremendous growth over the last year. We are really focused on providing um, our members with education and training, but most importantly, advocating on behalf of our members, 
and the people they care for. And I think that's the distinction that I always like to make that, you know, when you think of a trade association, it's usually all about the business. Well, while that is important, and I want to stress it's always important, I also am very proud that we do a lot of advocacy on behalf of the people that we care for. And we can get into some of those bills that we're really excited about that are now in Congress. And um, I think that's just really important. I don't ever want to just be so self-serving. Yeah. All we care about is provider, provider. I like to be able to say, and we also represent those people that so often can't represent themselves. Very so good. Well, that's great. So you say 4,000 members. So you are representing probably national organizations, national franchises. Yes. And, 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 and that's really important too. Um, this association began 19 years ago. And its primary focus was, was private pay, um, a lot of the franchises, and really stressing and emphasizing the benefits of hiring an agency as opposed to an individual. And while that continues to be a, you know, a basic foundation of the Home Care Association of America, we have done, we are really reaching out to not only franchises, but independent home care agencies. And we have great, we've had great growth in the independent. Um, you know, this marketplace, and you, you know this, Gavin, it's probably about, what, 31,000 agencies in the United States providing this type of care. And we are very proud and, and just really honored to represent a lot of the major franchisors. But I'm also just as proud to really represent almost 40% our independence, you know, mom and pops that just start because someone felt there was a need that wasn't being met. And uh, I just, I, I love the fact that we really are becoming very 50-50. So that's really good too. Great. So that one thing um, you mentioned, you know, a lot of different franchises, the independence. So there's not really a household name in home care, right? I mean, when you think of fast food, you think of you know, McDonald's and Taco Bell and KFC, or I know I've, there's a bunch of others, but home care, there's not really a household name. And uh, curious in your lens, have you seen a lot of, like, do you think there will be a household name in your time at HCAOA, or is that just not in the, the near future? I don't know. That's a really good question, Gavin. <clears throat> I you are right. And I talk a lot about our fragmentation because it's not, it's not that there's not one powerful player, which you just said, and I agree with that, but it's also just the nature of our business. Um, we are not regulated nationally. We are regulated state by state, which makes us so fragmented. And so, you know, the, the marketplace is so different. You know, when people are looking to expand, first thing they do is go to look at what are the regulations. Some states are just amazing in that their regs are so pro-business where others are burdensome and ridiculous and, and that doesn't help. Um, and so I, I don't know in our lifetime, I'm not sure if we will, Gavin, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so either. Yeah. Um, okay. So most of our audience are healthcare professionals. And I want to ask you um, about your thoughts on the current caregiver shortage. So before, before you respond for the audience out there, this is the number one issue for the home care industry uh, for a while now. Um, many of you know my day job, I work for a home care company. And candidly, when I started back in 2002, 
Um, I still had a, a lot to learn back then, but it wasn't extremely difficult to find someone who was willing and, and qualified to meet the demand that we had out there. That was 2003, uh, almost 20 years later, that has completely shifted. Um, and one thing to note before Vicki uh, responds, I was in the industry, I'm in the industry almost 18 years and for probably a good decade, and Vicki, you might be able to attest to this, the cost of hiring a caregiver through an agency was relatively flat for almost my first 10 years. The prices didn't go up that much. Um, that has changed pretty significantly over the last five to 10 years. So Vicki, thanks for letting me uh, give a little background on, on where I'm yeah. coming from, but can you jump in and talk about the caregiver shortage? Gavin, it is the most pressing problem we've got today. In fact, when I was speaking with the North Carolina folks, I put an elephant in a room picture up on my slide deck because this, because it's just, you're right. We've been talking about this for years, but the, the conversation has indeed changed. You're absolutely right. And it's changed for many reasons, but it is an acute problem. Everyone's talking about it. And that was my point. And I'll, I'll use this because we've heard the president talk about the shortage, right? That's why he introduced the American Jobs Plan and said $400 billion on earmarking for home care to increase the wages of our direct care workforce, to create career ladders, all of that. And then you have our unions, SEIU, talking a whole lot about it during a Senate hearing last week. Governor um, Bob Casey was chairing it, and there was an SEIU representative saying caregivers need to be seen as the professionals we are. We are the maintainers of life. Uh, and for that, we must be respected, protected, and paid. And then you've got uh, Leading Age, which is another national trade association, mostly representing nursing homes, endorsing the $15 an hour wage that also is going across the country, right? But what who has been silent is the home care industry. What have we said? So right now we're looking at, we have a group that is a, a, a partnership with the Home Care Association of America and the National Association of Home Care and the Partnership for Medicaid coming together. We met for the first time last week to agree upon certain call to action steps. What is it that our industry, and when I say our industry, I'm talking about the employers, right? What are we saying about what do we say about the $15? What, do we think it's okay? Do we think it's terrible? What, are, um, what do we say about benefits? What do we say about unionization? And so it, it, it's something that has been heavy. I'm, I, I've worried about it. We've gone round and round. We all know the solutions, right, Gavin? They want respect. We need to get, a, we, you know, we all know that. But the bottom line is what do we believe and what can we do about it to address the situation? Immigration is one way to address the situation. And that's something we're also looking at. Wow. So I'm curious, are you able to touch base at all about any of the potential immigration laws yeah, or mechanisms? Been, yes, we are now working um, in conjunction with the leading age, as well as the healthcare, the National Healthcare uh, Association, two of the national associations representing nursing homes <clears throat> and us. We've been working for several months to come up with agreed upon language. And what we're looking at is um, temporary visas for direct care workers that support the aged and the disabled, right? It would be a 36 month visa 
Uh, there would be about 50,000 visas that would be available the first year. And as we go on, no more than 85,000 every year after. Uh, we hope to, you know, I think we're meeting this week again to finally add just the final touches. And then we would go out to look for a sponsor. But we know, and the Pew Foundation has said this in their report, you're going to address this shortage. That's one, that's one element that has to be in it, right? Because if we take a look at our workforce today, Gavin, you know this, 30% of our workers are immigrants. Yeah. And I think yeah. when you don't have that pool in the cut, you've got to look at immigration. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, this is just kind of thumb in the air. You mentioned 30% are immigrants themselves. I bet you half or maybe even more are like first generation and their yeah. parents were yeah. immigrants. So right. Um, right. for the audience that may not be familiar, one thing that's unique about our industry, the home care industry is unlike, let's say retail or fast food, when you, when you increase the wage of one employee at a retail or fast food um, uh, organization, that $1 can be spread over multiple customers. Right. Maybe the, your hamburger is 10 cents more or your T-shirt is 10 cents more for the T-shirt. But with home care, if you charge a senior or disabled or a child a dollar more for their caregiver in the most of the a lot of this is private pay. So that senior or that family has to then pay the extra dollar 50 maybe that the agency is charging because they have to cover taxes and things like that. So that's a significant, significant difference versus 10 cents for your hamburger. So that's the burden that Vicky is alluding to and why agencies may be silent on some of these uh, matters with like wage increases. Um, oh, yeah. And I think, you know, nationally too, Medicaid comes into play because now we do have members that are doing Medicaid. Yeah. And when that state increases their minimum wage and doesn't increase the Medicaid rate reimbursement, then we have a real problem. But you're right about the private pay. The private pay... That's going to be tough because private pay, I always, when people call and say, I want to get into home care, I always say the first thing you need to do is to establish your private pay business. Do not, do not rely on government funding, not, a, you know, get that started, that core foundation of private pay. And we also have other things hitting private pay right now. People that are doing private pay are calling our agencies and you know this, Gavin, they're calling yep. and saying, I only want vaccinated workers. Oh, yeah. How do we handle that? Uh, and at a time when we're, you know, just starving for direct care workers, now we have this to have to deal with too. And I think the other thing that's happening with private pay is we know that, you know, as the baby boomers age and are, are getting into being our clients at this point, that they're quite different than what our agencies are used to dealing with when my mother was a client. At the age of 90, my mother was so patient and honey, um, our aide said she couldn't make it for an hour until 10 o'clock or whatever. And how she was so understanding. And I'm like, oh, mother. Right. But as a baby boomer, they're not going to be that way. So we're going to have to really do some um, changes here in our culture to keep pace with this new the evolution, the evolution of home care. Definitely. So you talked about uh, Medicaid and we've just talked a little bit about private pay. So uh, for the audience out there who work in health, most of you work in healthcare, um, a lot of what you do is covered by insurance. So your patients 
don't think about necessarily when they go to a skilled nursing facility. They might ask about the copay, but the thousands and thousands of dollars that it really costs, they're they're not having to pay. It's their insurance. Mm -hmm. So in the private pay industry, every dollar that a caregiver costs, the person has to pay out of pocket. You also mentioned Medicaid. Um, so throughout the country, folks, uh, you may know, but Medicaid covers uh, the you know poorest of the poor, basically, to remain yeah. at home if they're nursing home eligible. So Vicki, I want to ask you, with your knowledge uh, representing HCOA, can you talk about some of the current funding sources that help people uh, yeah. pay for a caregiver and, and what's coming down the pipe to, uh, to help you and I when we need a caregiver? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think what, what is most promising right now is Medicare Advantage plans. About two years ago, many of your listeners probably know that um, CMS gave the Medicare Advantage plans the, the right to offer supplemental services. And on that list was in-home supports, which is personal care in the home, as well as adult day and transportation and home delivered meals and all those kinds of things. And we were so excited and it was the first recognition that people were finally understanding that healthcare is not just medical care. Healthcare is social determinants. It's, you know, it's a lot about family dynamics and nutrition and things like that. So that was a great, that was a great thing that happened. But we also have a lot of our agencies and healthcare providers frustrated at trying to get into those Medicare Advantage plans to figure out how are they allowing their providers, how are they establishing their networks, what are they using as the criteria, and the fact that many members are, are discouraged because they're not paying for a lot of care, and perhaps their reimbursement rates are not where we all believe they should be. I always stress the fact that this is new, and brand new and it's a health insurance that's not used to doing these kinds of services. So the, the learning curve is going to be a lot. But when I, I'm optimistic, because if I looked at 2019, Gavin, I think we had 51 plans offering in-home supports at that time. This year in 2021, I want to say we're 293 plans are offering it. So you see it's growing. And when I talk with these plans about how are you allowed, like what are you looking at when provider calls if you want to contract with them? And they're very honest. They'll say, to be honest with you, Vicki, we just want reliability. Right now, the last thing I'm worried about is trying to figure out performance indicators. That's right now, though. Please understand yeah. that. I just want a reliable agency. And, and so we, as the association, we have a couple educational webinars coming up. We have partnered with ATI, which is a consulting group that has a lot of reports on Medicare Advantage plans, as well as a, another group called Health Align. Health Align is the company that many Medicare Advantage plans hire to manage their home care network. And Andy Friedel is going to come on and talk with us about that. Uh, but let's face it, right now, I think Medicare Advantage plans are offering these services as a competitive edge, that this is what will make a person decide on a Medicare Advantage plan versus just going Medicare traditional, right? And uh, I think that's what they're using it for. We see the commercials with Joe Namath, right? And it is, it's nice. If someone says, Medicare will pay for your transportation to your doctor, you can, you know, silver sneakers and 
that's what they're using this for. But let me let me quickly add, though, Gavin, and you know this. In a matter of time, when this starts catching on, and they start doing more hours, and they start paying more, that that plan is going to have to start looking at their costs versus their benefit. Yeah, and that's when they're going to say to home care agencies, "How do you tell me how you evaluate your care?" And that's why one of our big initiatives this year is to um, actually we're in the middle of developing a demonstration project where we will ask so many agencies to agree to participate in the demonstration. They will agree to these performance ed indicators. They will agree to collect the data, submit it, all of those things. So we can indeed just start to figure out with, <clears throat> like I can't wait for the day that I can say, we have discovered that four hours of care every other day has saved, has shows that this many hospitalizations have been avoided or medication compliance and the impact that that has. We've been able to keep people at home rather than going into a nursing home. So I, I think that that's one of the promising, I think one of the most promising things that's happening right now in our industry. Yeah, I would agree. So we talked about Medicare Advantage, we talked about Medicaid. What other funding mechanisms are out there for folks who well, might need caregiver or are coming down the pipe? Yeah, we're, we also know that the Veterans Administration has a home care program. Yeah. And it was one of the issues that our members immediately identified as a wonderful thing, but a challenge. I, I love the fact that the majority of our members want to bring care home to our veterans, right? It's noble. It's what we should be doing. However, we also know if any of your listeners have worked with the Veterans Administration that over the years, it's difficult. Uh, now that we have Optum and TriWest as the credentialing contractors, we have made a concerted effort. We now have a VA council that is meeting with the VA on a routine basis. We have a webinar coming up with Optum and with TriWest to talk through the credentialing process. But we also know there's still issues around billing there's issues around authorizations, but that is another area that I think will grow. Um, and I think it's something that we all should do uh, in honor of our veterans. So we're, we're putting a lot of attention on that. The other sources, of course, are the reverse mortgages that really um, we've not taken, you know, we just always say you've got to make sure and we've referred over to AARP. They have a lot of good guidance on reverse mortgages and things like that. So most of our attention has been to the government funded programs as well as and including Medicare Advantage, of course. Thank you, Vicki. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, you mentioned at the beginning of our talk um, that there's some other things like state specific things coming down the pipe. Um, our audience is national, mostly Southwest, but um, I know there's states that might have some things coming in, uh, like the state of Washington, for example, has a new tax coming in. Yeah. Uh, Hawaii had the Kapuna Act. Maine did not pass an initiative uh, that a few years back, but are you able to share? Yeah. You know, um, as a national trade association, we also have state chapters. Okay. And we also um, retain lobbyists in 10 states, uh, two that would... Um, be important for your listening audience to know about it. So we have a lobbyist in California, one in Washington, okay, uh, and then one in Wisconsin, and then it moves kind of east. 
Uh, and I, what I am seeing, and this is kind of fascinating, Gavin, since the pandemic, I'm looking right now at a little chart I keep. There are seven states right now that are either looking to revise the license regulations for our non-medical home care or seeking to license for the first time home care. And a lot of it is focused on expanding the scope of services that can be provided by our home care frontline workers. Oh, nice. And it's wonderful to see. It's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, some of the state rules are, I, I'm going to go way out, are, are kind of comical to me just because, I'm sorry, I was a family caregiver and I was faced with one of these just silly rules that make no sense to the family. And I think finally people, maybe it's the pandemic, but I also think when you look at licenses in our states, I think we're close to 30 states that have license for our sector, you know, our non-medical sector. And those started like about 10 years ago, right? Probably around 10, 15 years. Well, you know, we have evolved. I think, um, you know, more people are looking to stay at home. More people are saying, this is what I need to stay at home. And so as a result, I think our members are saying, I know with the proper training, our workers can do this. Yeah. Plus, if we can't, home health agencies don't want to do this. A nurse does not want to come out and merely fill a pillbox. Plus, think about the expense, right, oh, yeah. for that thing. So given that, I'm just excited because, you know, California, for, in, for instance, is looking to expand the scope of services for their for your home care workers there. Uh, and Washington is taking a look at their license to see if they need to tweak it, to see if they need to expand it. In Nebraska, and this is another, this is just a, just for a laugh, they decided that um, only Medicare certified home health agencies can bathe people. Why? Well, number one, Nebraska doesn't license non-medical, so they're worried. Yeah. And But number two, something probably happened. You know, sometimes we govern to the lowest denominator. One yeah. person does it. So I, I just think it's time for us. And this is where this is providers in the backseat. This should be driven by what does the, what do the consumers need to stay at home? Right. And I think you're going to start seeing more of that because I think people are going to say, all I want, my and this, I got a call today family, um, mother getting care from one of our agencies, The um, her sight is failing. She can yeah. hardly see now at all. She has a pillbox. She also has Parkinson's. She cannot pick up that pill, nor can she identify what the pill is. The home care is not permitted to touch the pill. So you know what they're doing? They're taking the client's hand, like I'm doing right here, and yeah. putting it are we, is that not silly or what? Hand over it's hand time. technique. Yeah. Oh, yes. There you go. But it's time, I think, that we need to be responsive to people who want to stay at home. Government has recognized that's where you should be. So there's going to have to be a little bit of give with proper training. Please, I want to stress that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I appreciate all this good info, Vicki. Um, well, Gavin, so it was great talking with you. Thank yeah. you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. 
Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.